What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 46 of the Block Exploring Podcast. With me is Tommy, as always. And in this episode, we're going to give you our predictions and insights for 2020 and the crypto market. We're going to also talk to you about the SOS airdrop. Now, before we do all this, quick state of the market so you know what state we're in. Um, right now, yesterday evening, I'd say uh, there was a bit of a dump. Uh, a lot of Bitcoin was dumped like a 7% downcrease in the span of 24 hours. The same thing happened for, I think, every major top 20 crypto. Uh, you see the market is mainly in red. And, well, I don't think, if I look at the social sentiment, if I look at Twitter, if I look at analytics like Lunar Crush and what they say about social media and how people are discussing crypto, it didn't make that much of an impact. A lot of people are seeing it as end of the year, uh, capital gains calculations and selling and stop lossing and that kind of stuff. That's kind of how they uh, how they interpret it. So overall, just a quick dump in the market, as you see with crypto once in a while. That's the state of the market. So I think shall we start it off with the SOS airdrop discussion and then move to our predictions for twenty twenty. Yeah, I think that sounds good because that was quite cool. recent. Yeah, quite recent. So if you bought anything on OpenSea, you are eligible, congrats, for about a million SOS at least. At least. Uh, in an airdrop. And you know how much a million SOS is? I checked it. It's about 44 cents right now. So you made it. Congrats. <laughs> if you bought an NFT. <laughs> One NFT, you got 40 cents. Yeah, you're, you're an SOS millionaire yeah. right now. But how do you feel, Tommy? <laughs> Man, thankfully I got more than that. <laughs> but I definitely get, didn't get as many as like loads of people. Like people got 16k drops, 12k drops, and like even that that was like the median. I feel people got like loads yeah. of drops because really people bought loads of NFTs this year. Um, this this year was I think the year of the NFTs. Well, the year definitely. of the blockchain space in general, like if you're in blockchain, that's definitely how you feel. Maybe if you aren't, maybe not because you're salty, you missed out. But SOS drop was massive over Christmas because, you know, everyone was waiting for a MetaMask drop. Everyone was waiting for an OpenSea drop. And uh, it was very unlikely that OpenSea was going to do an airdrop because they're, you know, a unicorn company that wants to go public a token drop, you know, if it does badly, could really affect, you know, an IPO of sorts. So yeah. a bunch of people created a DAO called the Open DAO and did this airdrop to anyone who's ever used OpenSea and um, just airdropped them loads of tokens. And everyone uses OpenSea, right? So everyone got this token. So then there was just a large amount of people with the, this, these tokens and the whole community just got very excited and and started rallying behind, you know, this project and uh, and everything and what they're trying to do. And I think the project's also trying to help, you know, up and coming artists, help people who've been scammed as well. And it's just an interesting yeah. idea. And I think changes a lot about how we think about airdrops and how do we get people invested and involved in like projects in Web3. This is also I, when I saw it happen, uh, I immediately made a link back to one of our previous episodes where we talked about how we own the network and that's where the power lays in crypto. Here you see the company itself not really being willing to adopt kind of a airdrop approach, but the community really wants it. So they facilitate it themselves. 
and people if you look at twitter are especially nft twitter i'd say they're hell-bent on making that crypto go to the moon all kinds of stuff they're they're kind of supporting of this independent approach to uh to airdropping almost in the name of OpenSea without making them legally liable for it which is another discussion but it's pretty sick on the community end and it shows some empowerment i'd say it's in a way uh almost consumer very good for the consumer right without without being uh bad for the company so overall i think it's a very very nice it shows a lot of potential for these owning the networks yeah uh, like the the result of owning the network yeah it's it's interesting because this token i think we can't correlate it to you know anything OpenSea related other than the fact that like OpenSea users got this airdrop and that's what we mm-hmm. i think we start to see where this sort of will become its own thing and it's become its own phenomenon where now this open has gotten so much traction to the point where you know different wallets are integrating sos different chains are integrating sos different marketplaces are integrating SOS as a token that, you know, they can trade and such. And Mm -hmm. it's an interesting community born initiative, really, that's kind of blown up. And I think it's incredible, like, you know, how do we get the whole NFT space to, you know, be all interested in this project that's happening, (laughs) just airdrop them all tokens. But I think, yeah, so that kind of just changes, you know, how do we actually use airdrops? How do we use them to get people to be invested in like a project? Like, you know, as opposed to earlier where most airdrops were the result of you having used a protocol and that was like a kind of reward. You know, it was never a guaranteed reward, but maybe the, the script has flipped, you know, where, you know, tokens are distributed first to get people incentivized to like you know be invested in this project so that now that they have this token they're like oh what can i do with it like what's this project then they get into it right and i think yeah. this model obviously isn't going to work for every everybody like mm-hmm. i mean every project like mm-hmm. projects have done this in the past where they just airdrop tokens to what vitalik's wallet you know just so yeah. like they can say vitalik's holding it so like you know it's it's dope but it's a uh, it's legit yeah but that's like, not the uh, case but so like i think that com- just comes it comes down to again legitimacy within the space like you know social legitimacy mm-hmm. in the space like this you know this sos dao the open dao um the sos token open dao uh, like just had the perfect you know set of things happen i feel like where you know there was that demand for like an open sea airdrop it wasn't going to happen you know they created the token and just met the demand and you know just like a ideal mix of things that like led to like an explosion on twitter essentially true true and and taking from that i think uh i think it's time that we move to our predictions for 2020 because i think we've this this past year we've discussed a lot of like bullish aspects of the crypto space and we've discussed a lot about the how we see the space develop but recently uh, arcane reports and arcane is um or arcane research is a research uh, team that basically researches a bunch of stuff in crypto and they come out with reports about it and that's they made a predictions report for 2020 now what i'm gonna do 
So I'm going to read out their predictions one by one. We're going to do a quick hot takes style um, yes or no type beat to what we think of their predictions. Now, Bitcoin will outperform the S&P 500 in 2020 is the first thing they mentioned. I think that's that's an easy, very likely. I hope so. Because <laughs> I hope it yeah. does. That would be great. Yeah. I'd say uh, this year, it definitely happened, right? Mm -hmm. 2021, uh, Bitcoin easily as, uh, outperformed S&P. It's like, uh, it's up 73% yeah. this year and S&P 500 is up 28%. Burr. So Arcane believes that it will continue. I, I I very much hope so. I think it would, it would make sense that it would mm -hmm. because there's just a lot a lot of companies interested in getting into Bitcoin, a lot of institutional investors very interested getting into Bitcoin. And we haven't seen a big institutional buy-in yet. Yeah, that just say. started at this the year. Brink. And it's it started gonna this year, continue yeah. on to next year. Exactly. I doubt it happens Q1 though. Like this institution's oh, yeah. coming in heavy. Like I think it's gonna, like the space has to like, you know, I know what what more hype can we have in this space? But I feel like obviously more has to happen in this space to like push companies over the edge. And companies are already slowly getting into NFT. Maybe NFTs are the gateway, bro. Maybe like you know oh, yeah. these companies getting into you know doing their NFT drops, and then they that's what is you know what leads them into like putting it on the balance sheet, some crypto. Maybe I think Maybe. so because it's the least legally dangerous asset to kind of distribute and to use as a reward because an NFT has just under a lot of American securities law, including the Howey test, it really is hard to make an NFT. Uh, an investment contract except for fractionalizing the nft so i feel like a lot of companies are very comfortable with publishing nfts almost as a product as a side product mm -hmm. and giving them away uh, using it for community building etc because it's a very safe way to get people into right. crypto to kind of dip their toes in see oh are we going to get sued no yes <laughs> no that's yeah that's i feel how they do it now the, the second uh prediction that they made was that xrp and cardano fall out of the top 10 um because yeah basically what they argued is bnb had a big pump based on this and the growth in market cap from altcoins like sol and terra mm -hmm. luna and the nft craze they're thinking that xrp and ada exit the top 10 based on the fact that, for instance, ADA doesn't have any smart contracts labeled and it's going to take a long time before they, they're they going to see anything. Mm -hmm. And with the popularity of NFTs and the very cheap nature of things like Solana and BNB, uh, gas fees and all that stuff, these other two will become more out of the, out out of of the public eye. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe it, per se. Maybe, well... XRP, let's not talk about XRP. That might depend on the lawsuit. It actually has a lot of use for banks. Um, but but I think Cardano... Uh, yeah. You're right. It does have those yeah, uses, I think... but it's, what's to say another token could do the same? Exactly. But I think like currently uh, XRP is, has a lot of actual liquidity going yeah. on in it. And there's a lot of uh, interest at stake with it succeeding. Yeah, all the hot um, from 2017. <laughs> yeah, still, exactly. Still holding. <laughs> But, um, and the same thing with uh, Cardano. Yeah. I, I think Cardano, the moment it, because 
the thing with Cardano is that it's very scalable and it has a very large user base and it has a, a whole lot of locked liquidity and staking. So the bare bones are there, yeah. right? We're just waiting for these smart contracts to finally arrive. And I think that uh, Charles Hoskinson and the the institution behind Cardano, they realize the need for it, yeah. but they're, I, I don't exactly understand what the holdup is, but I feel like it is to maintain the scalability. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment that this succeeds, then Cardano will be an amazing project. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's right or not. It might fall out of the top 10. It, yeah, it's hard it to say, but it really comes yeah. down to whether they ship and whether they execute. You know, Exactly, exactly. The, the, the longer it takes for them to execute, you know, like the Cardano boys and girls can't just go, uh, you know, can't be going ham on the fact that, oh, this might happen. This might happen. For, yeah. I mean, they'll get bored, you know, even if they have bags, right? Like, yeah. ultimately, like, other things are going to be created. Other things are going to be seen more as a value investment. Mm-hmm. And there, are other, uh, there are other projects working on scalability, like Solana, like L1s. If you're interested in L1 scalability, I guess. You can look at AVAX, for example. And, yeah. and all of these chains have already shipped. You know, they have... Pe- and that's the thing, right? Like Solana right now, the a lot of the issues are like, there, there are loads of debates, right? But they have dApps. They have dApps, right? Yeah. But they might not be the most lit dApps. You know, the UX might be even worse than like what you'd see in the space. But like, there are dApps, right? But then you can improve on dApps. You know what I mean? And that, mm-hmm. that those dApps are just going to keep improving. And like, if if Cardano doesn't ship, and then they, they come out with these weak weak ass you know uh dapps right poor ux poor just the poor poor experience right i think that'll be yeah. a huge hit to cardano like if they do end up shipping and then like the dapps just aren't executed well which yeah. you know i find it hard i also find that hard uh, you know i find it hard to believe that that might happen because like uh, i don't know what's it called standards are just raising in the space like people are just not willing to accept like uh, mm-hmm. because there's so much better stuff out there like if you know if you really want it because people yeah. are building like a madman yeah and i, th- I think now uh, while we go through this list i'm going to just cherry pick a few before we wrap up the episode um another prediction they made was that traditional gaming companies will increasingly add nfts i think that's a no-brainer of course they will it makes a lot of sense for scarcity for price for also for just the the for ongoing more passive income for these companies because the royalty feature that's built into nfts will just ensure kind of this trading and just indefinite income for the company itself it's something we saw with uh if you played team fortress back in the day right they had a marketplace and they would take royalties from these sales of uh, goods on the marketplace and it became a huge uh, stream of revenue for steam i think they realized that instead of the money going to steam it could have easily gone to just the company that made the the game tf2 and i think with that mentality a lot of gaming companies see this as a, a huge possibility mm-hmm. i think so i think gaming and nfts is such a an ideal fit like you know ideal use case but um yeah. but also I think gaming companies are going to have to change their idea of what, you know, 
owning a game and like earning off a game looks to them because where like these big companies are very focused on you know centralizing the experience for the most part like what you described but i think a company is going to open up more so to the idea that you know with nfts people can build more utility for them and if they're not so hard on their ip i mean this is also all like a regulatory debate i think like ip is a good good discussion to have but like i think companies could start becoming more open in allowing people to use nfts that they've created you know to create different games surrounding you know their this nft and then through the royalties then they're still, still earning, right? The, the, yeah, but exactly. In effect, they've delegated the adding of value to to the community, which is which is sick. I think. I think. Yeah. But let's see what big game developers think. You know, gaming studios and that. We just gotta yeah. see. And I think uh, the last the last um, hot take that we'll discuss today, I think, will be uh, Bitcoin ETFs Mm -hmm. will hold more than 1 million Bitcoin by the end of 2020. Now, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense because right now, uh, well, there there are a few like future exchange traded funds that are that were launched in 2021. We we covered them in the podcast on the podcast. Uh, they right now hold about 850,000 Bitcoin. So, and these things were launched two months ago. Yeah. So I think it's an easy guess to to make. Yeah. And I think it makes a lot of sense because these, these funds will definitely collect a lot of Bitcoin mm-hmm. for trading. Yeah. And if our thesis is correct, that this is like an instrument for the institutions and those more mm-hmm. risk-averse, quote-unquote risk-averse, I suppose then yeah yeah i think that's an easy 100 mil coming <laughs> yeah yeah and exact and we're also very early into the us future based traded etfs right like yeah. uh, th- there's a lot the majority of the the holdings in bitcoin on these etfs right now are are not us based not canada based so it, it's very much uh, waiting for the us to adopt to these etfs they only they only own about 1.5% of the total ETFs market share of uh, Bitcoin funds. So it, it's just a, a wait and see. And I think the fact that the US is this, you know, this, uh, this, this late in adopting to it only means that there's much more potential in increase in gains based on these ETFs. So I think that US will adopt a lot over the over time and it will stick take a bit of time like most things do so yeah i think with that being said those are some of our predictions for uh, 2020 in crypto or we discussed a bunch of uh, of points made by arcane research we discussed sos the airdrop and the owning the network i think with that being said we will see you next thursday is it next thursday in the next in the next episode of the block explorer podcast no, see you there. Take Peace. it easy.